0: Welcome to My Millennial Career. My name is Shelley Johnson. I'm a HR consultant and the founder at Boldside. Hello, Em. Hey, Shell. Emily Bowen here, the COO of Rare Kind. Okay, we are going to dig into a really interesting discussion today
1: on bad job breakups. Yeah, it's funny. We keep finding ourselves in this place where we're comparing our work life, our work relationships with what maybe a dating life or, you know, those personal romantic relationships could look like. But it's just, it's fascinating how many similarities they are. And this
0: idea of having, I guess, a bad job breakup or a bad exit. So maybe you resign and it's not on the best terms or maybe your job doesn't work out, a contract ends suddenly or there's performance concerns. There's so many different elements that could
1: make for a your work relationship ending on bad terms. And particularly when and you know here I go already, it's not your decision. So it's a bit like you know there are times when perhaps due to underperformance, perhaps due to redundancy, the ultimate decision is made by the employer and it's a, you know, It does have some similarities to maybe if you feel like um, you've been the dumpy rather than the dumper in a relationship. <laughs> and when you lose that control, that itself brings with it this whole sense of um, oh, negative emotion and emotions that you need to process that are very different to if you plan an exit, you're in control, you resign, you manage yourself. I'm just stuck on dumpy and dumper. I know, I couldn't <laughs> help
0: it. <her. laughs> okay, so we're gonna run through some questions, so let's do it. Okay, first up, let's talk through the types of bad job breakups. So, for me, there's a couple that come to mind really quickly. One is resigning um on bad terms where you need to leave because you've got a bad boss or there's a toxic culture and you just got to get out of there super quick. But it may mean that you don't have a reference. So, you don't have a referee because it it ended badly. Like, let me say, these are really normal. Most people will have this. So, I just want to... be really explicit in that. Most people have some kind of bad exit in their career.
1: Yeah. Some other ideas or examples of what a bad job breakup can look like might be termination. So if you're underperforming, you're going through a process with your employer, with your manager, and it ends in, um, let's call it for what it is, you're fired And uh, that is not going to be a nice feeling. Chances are that's going to lead probably more often than not, not a scientific measure, but I'm thinking more often than not, you're going to have some level of um, bad job breakup happening there. Uh, Other ideas we've had, burnout and stress, injury. So you might have reached that point where, um, you know, it's not that job or continuing that job is not the best thing for your well-being from that point of view. Um, and then the one that has this stigma attached that I know we both disagree with, but it really is hung around, is redundancy. Mm. So, where that decision is made by the employer that there's no longer you know that role available, the role that you're doing available in the business, and that ultimately means that you're out of a job. And often the way the business handles the redundancy
0: can be what causes it to feel like a really negative experience. So, if it's done poorly and it's communicated poorly, that can leave you feeling really um, thrown and hurt and upset. And so, all that stuff's normal. We just want to unpack what you do if you found yourself in one of these situations and how do you move forward and rebuild confidence and also communicate it to future employers in a way that's helpful.
1: Yeah, future-proofing is super important here. And look, one final note on this, you can also have really wonderful job breakups in each of these contexts as well. There's no reason why resigning, redundancy, even, dare I say at termination due to underperformance have to be a bad job breakup. It's just that we want to focus on that version today. Awesome. So let's talk about the first question that often comes up. How do I
0: bring it up at an interview? And am I really want you to put your, your recruiter hat on because I know you've got so much um, advice that from what you've seen as a recruiter in a bazillion interviews that you've done. How do we talk about this when
1: we get to an interview stage? What uh, you will find when you're meeting with a recruiter in particular, I'm not sure that you'll find this as much if you're meeting direct with the hiring manager, but definitely with a recruiter is they will actually step through your resume and they will ask you, so why did you leave that job? So why did you leave that job? So why did you leave that job? And they all actually want to understand that path that you've taken in regards to the the movement and the change from one role to the next. And what that means is absolutely, Shell, you're going to find yourself faced with a situation at some point where you need to be able to explain what happened, why you're no longer there. My first thought on this is, The recruiter-candidate relationship is an interesting one in that it's got this dual dynamic. So, on one hand, they're absolutely an interviewer. They're assessing you for either a job that's available now or a job that may be available in the future. And so, you need to turn up in the same way that you would if you were meeting for an interview direct with the employer. The other dynamic, though, that's at play in this dual dynamic is almost like this unfiltered, can kind of let your guard down a little bit more, build a relationship side, of, kind of vibe um, with that you can have with that recruiter as almost like a career coach, as a bit of a guidance and somebody that you can work with over the course of your career. And so when I chucked those ingredients into this melting pot as I sort of thought, what have I seen done well and what would be my recommendation my recommendation would be to err, Well, absolutely be honest, and err on the side of an overshare. Now, when I say overshare, I do not mean that you need to go ham on, you know, telling them everything, what's and all, as if they're your best mate. <laughs> like, there is still a line, there's still a boundary. However, I do think that in comparison to if you are meeting with a HR manager at an employer, you know, that you plan or you're hoping to work for, that you can, be, you can be a bit more of an oversharer with a recruiter. And so what that could look like is uh, explaining to them what's happened. But before you go into the details, saying to them, because remember I, I talked about them being a bit of a, you know, a source of guidance, saying to them, well, actually, I didn't leave, I don't feel like I left that business or that role on great terms. And I'd like to share with you, you know, my perspective on what happened my version of events, and I'd really love your guidance. I'd really be interested in your advice on how I should handle this question when it's asked in an interview in the future.
0: Yeah, that's so good. It's like this opportunity for a coaching moment. And do you know what? Those those relationships, when you get asked a question, say the as the recruiter, they're going to warm to that because they're going to want to help you navigate it. But they also have seen so many Versions of this story, so they're not surprised by it. It isn't. It's it's not out of the ordinary that they're having these conversations. So when you're in it, you can feel like, oh, this is just me. This situation has only happened to me, but it's happened to so many candidates. So you're not alone. And the good distinction of what you've called out there is the d- the difference between the recruiter and the employer. So I'm going to put like the bring the hiring manager or the HR manager's lens into this discussion. So now, let's say you get to the interview. And Or maybe there is no recruiter involved and so you're just purely going straight through the, uh, to the business and having an interview. There's a couple of things that you can do and I love how you phrased that with the recruiter M that you can say, oh, it, we didn't leave on the best terms. How I'd talk about it to the HR manager or the hiring manager would be slightly different. I would say, you know what, I finished that role and it didn't really work out how I'd hoped. And that's honest because you go into a job, you don't go in thinking I'm going to finish in
1: in a year's time on terrible terms or it's going to. it's not what you plan for. Even we've uh, done our exit sort of plan, like strategy, like, you know, episode where we've talked about how can you actually plan your exit from day one? And it's certainly not in that episode. That's right. So, you walk into that conversation and you go in with that honesty
0: and openness. And when you use some of that vulnerability around your story, people really warm to that. Often we think that if we tell a a painful truth, people look at us and think, oh, well, that's odd or that's suspicious. But a lot of people actually do the opposite where they warm to the vulnerability as long as you do it in a way that doesn't disparage your previous employer. So that's really important. You don't want to drag them through the mud, even though they might've done the wrong thing by you and actually There's a lot of like hurt there. We need to make sure we communicate it in a respectful
1: way. And not uh, fall into the trap of communicating as the victim. And I feel like it's important to repeat what you've said, Shell, which is while that might be the case, while you may have been the person that had the wrong done by you, we just need to be careful about how we're curating our answer, still leaning into the honesty and the openness and the vulnerability but in a way that, uh, as you say, is respectful of the previous employer and also shines your own self in a light which is mature, reflective. Uh, I was also thinking about what you you sort of described as that vulnerability and what that um, can do for that rapport that you're building. And funnily enough, and you mentioned the word suspicious, I actually think it can be more suspicious when people are more vague and they try and gloss over things and don't give you enough detail. And again, it's a fine line because we don't want the oversharing to the point that you would you know, talk to your best friend or even to your recruiter. We've started to make the differentiation there. But I do think that you need to have a certain level of succinct specificity in order to have the the audience, that HR manager, that hiring manager, feel like you are being upfront. So let's
0: I'd love to give an example of this, because this is a common one. Let's say you're in a job and you have to leave because you've got a terrible boss and the exit didn't go down as well as you'd hoped. And you need to communicate that at the interview. This is something that I would say I would I would lead with Something about how your values didn't necessarily align with the team. So, call out what those are. Let's say your manager was super controlling and you value autonomy. I'd bring that up. So, I'd say, look, the style of the workplace was uh, quite controlled and my value is autonomy and freedom and that's where I flourish in a workplace and that wasn't a part of their culture, which is totally fine. I just realized it wasn't the right fit for what I need from a job. What I learned through that experience was I look for cultures where there is that sense of freedom and
1: responsibility, and I really thrive in that environment. And you've done so much so well, Darshel. Uh, in particular, you you were detailed, you were honest, you called it out for what it was, you owned your, I guess, role in that situation having played out, and in particular, you owned what you did about it, you know, what is in your control? What is in your control is to go and find another job. And you've said this before. So I'm just using
0: your advice. You've talked about how you, how you need to tell them what you learned Mm. because that shows self-awareness. So it's not, you're, you're not blaming the employer and, and hear me like, we're not, we're not trying to discount that there's probably some things that your old employer did wrong. What we're trying to say is, we want you to show your best side and showcase your best self at this interview and I think this is a really
1: good way to do it and communicate the truth without kind of slamming them. Yeah, because ultimately what we want is we want you to be able to move forward and move on and protect your career and leave that experience in the past uh, and sort of contained to what it was and not have it affect a future employment relationship. Totally. Totally. So, let's move on to some other questions. We've dealt with what happens at interviews, but there's a lot of other things
0: that happen when we have this kind of bad job exit or breakup. So,
1: one of the questions that we've got here is this idea that, well, you're in a situation where you've been terminated, your employment's been terminated due to underperformance. So, for anybody that maybe hasn't been exposed to that sort of process before, there's I guess, generally speaking, two ways this could have played out. One is that something significant enough has happened that you've lost your job on the spot. More often, I would expect that this has played out, though, over a period of time where there's been a level of formality around what we call performance management. So, you've had feedback, you've had uh, conversations with your manager, they've been documented and, and you've sort of known, well, you should know if it's done well, how you're tracking and whether you're tracking towards an improvement and staying in the role or whether there hasn't been enough improvement and ultimately the employer makes the decision to terminate your employment. Now, something that can come from that, there's a lot of things that can come from that, particularly a lot of feelings, but something that we hear a lot that comes from that is that this lost confidence mm. and this real, you know, really knocks you and you find yourself in a situation where it's like, crap, I haven't got a job. And you know, depending on what your financial circumstances are, that can bring with it a level of stress. But on top of that, you feel you can be feeling, and it would be very normal to be feeling a sense of where do I go from here? You know, I've been told that I'm no good at that job or not good enough to stay. Is that does that mean that I'm not good enough for any job? And how am I going to? find the next job I guess particularly you talk about referees like it just this little rabbit holes that you go down here it's like where to from here oh it's so it's so hard and it it is really painful like
0: uh, even the most beautifully done performance processes are so incredibly difficult and we just want to say that and and acknowledge that for what it is like my my empathy is like flaring all over the place. It's just not a nice thing to go through. And so, yes, your confidence is going to be low. One of the things I found really helpful when I were talking and coaching with, doing coaching sessions with people around this particular issue is instead of seeing it as a personal failure, which a lot of people do, we need to see it as a mismatch of strengths. So let's say you're working in a call center role. And the role is super stringent on time and you get all your tasks allocated and it's there's no discretion. And you are a creative and you're in that role and you're like, oh my gosh, my, my day is fully mapped for me. I have no control or discretion over the work I do or the way I do it and
1: everything's scripted. I was about to say even down to scripting and I've heard stories about toilet breaks and While that, you know, I know a lot of people who are brilliant at that job in that environment. It is not for everybody. And I like to think I'm okay at my job, which is not a contact centre role. If you planted me in a contact centre role, while on the surface, I'm like, I can talk to people, I can pick up the phone. What's all the fuss about? I think I would fail. Oh. I think I would be in you know a performance management situation myself. Absolutely. And so,
0: what we we do in that scenario is you look at your strengths and and remember you have incredible strengths when you're in, when you've gone through a performance improvement process. You often forget that. You look at your strengths and you look at the role and you go, "They weren't a match." That's okay. That's normal. That happens. And what I need to do now is find a role that's a better strengths match. And that's how I would communicate it. Of going, you know, what I again, we're going back to what did we learn. I learned through that process that I'm not wired to be in that kind of role because it doesn't align with my strengths of creativity or whatever your strengths are. So, so you actually use that as your communication and messaging point and employers get that. They understand and really
1: what they want is to get the right person with the right skills in the role. You could even be having a conversation and look, I'm, I'm winging it a bit here, Shell, but when you're reflecting and reframing that experience, even for yourself – in preparation for moving on to the next employer, consider how you handled yourself in, through that performance management process. Because as we mentioned earlier, there's typically, or there should be a high level of detail around feedback and documentation. And you know, what are we aiming for here in regards to improvement? And if you are somebody who has given that a red hot crack and you've looked at that as a challenge and an opportunity to go, right, I'm gonna do my best here to make this a success ultimately that hasn't been the case and and we're now realising, well, actually that's a a mismatch of strengths. You can also reflect, particularly when we're talking about confidence, on the fact that you gave it a crack and there's there's strength that comes from that, you know, around determination and drive and not giving up.
0: Yeah, and grit. There's a lot in there. I want to just... Dig in one more moment on this confidence thing. Confidence doesn't come back overnight. And so give yourself space and time. I know there's been points in my career, M, we love getting real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's been points in my career, M where I've really
1: lacked confidence. Yeah, right. Like, well, and it's interesting because I would I don't think I'm alone in saying on behalf of people that know you, you know, this smiley, energetic, knows what she's talking about, human. Yeah. That, that surprises me well, on one hand, but then on the other it doesn't because I'm like, yeah, me too. Like oh. I I think we all have those experiences. And
0: points where you're really low on confidence and you think I have literally no clue what I'm doing. Oh, I can't do this or I'm not good enough. And so those things, when you've had a knock in your career, like a bad breakup,
1: a bad, a bad job breakup – Let's be clear which – yeah, I did say to you the other day, I feel like we're a dating podcast just loosely described, disguised as a careers (laughs) podcast. Like
0: when you've had those moments – it really knocks you and it can take a really good length of time to rebuild. And, and so give yourself the time. I know I've needed that. And, and more recently than ever, actually, I've gone, how do I rebuild my confidence when I've had something happen where it wasn't ideal or I've had like setbacks and, it's like that muscle that you need to exercise and
1: do small things over time to rebuild and and give yourself some space and time off if you need it. Something I've found in building rebuilding confidence is I find I do need time and in particular I need the opportunity to have another go and prove to myself that actually I can do it well and absolutely you know take as much time as you need but sometimes getting back into that next job and then being successful at that, that might be, you know, what it takes for you to really feel like, okay, cool, I can reconcile the fact that I was not good at the contact centre job and that ultimately I ended up losing my job for that reason but now I can see how wonderful I am at this job which is better matched to my strengths. If I can have a moment for our, like, managers and leaders in the room as well, something that I guess from that bad job breakup experience, um, I've had is on the other side, so to speak, where I've actually been involved as the manager in what I would describe. And I don't think, you know, people, the employees would mind me saying there's been more than one occasion where I've been a part of an employee's bad job breakup. Like I'm the other person Mm. and I go, my energy's down. My confidence is down. I don't love how that person's behaved I also can see how I can learn a lot from perhaps some of the decisions I've made and, you know, that's been happening, that's happened over a long period of time and I absolutely have had takeaways from it. But also not forgetting we do have a lot of listeners who are managers and who might be on the other side of a breakup as well. So um, I guess I just wanted to call that out and and particularly around confidence, call out the fact that it's not just the employee that this can affect but also the employer. Oh, Totally. Oh, yes.
0: There's so much we can dig into. I could see we could go down so many like rabbit holes with this because it is a really big discussion. Hey, thanks for listening. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money Medical, My Millennial Health, My Millennial Business, and My Millennial Money. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast. Let's move into some of the other parts of this dynamic and one of the questions we have is I'm triggered by my old workplace. What should I do? And I think this is a really, really interesting dynamic because you know when you're, if you follow your employer on socials, on LinkedIn, on all the things and all of a sudden you exit and it's not gone down as you wanted it to. You can be seeing all their posts and being like, "Oh my gosh, this is really triggering my my stress. It's it's just not a good experience." So there's a few things we would encourage you to do. Like you can obviously mute, unfollow, do all those things. You need to make sure if that's causing you any level of anxiety, do what's right for you to
1: to support your own mental health. That's the first and foremost. And it can be really difficult to do that because often when we're in these somewhat ambiguous feeling sort of emotions, we can trick ourselves into thinking that we still want to stay attached and we still want to see what's going on. But then when we see it, we feel those pangs of pain. And if you can have that discipline, even if it's for uh, uh, just a temporary period of time to mute or unfollow, We've certainly um, heard that, that in chatting, because we did chat with a few people that have gone through bad breakups in the lead up to this and reflect on our own experiences. And we have um, come to learn that consistently, even though that can feel a bit difficult because you're cutting ties. Uh, it is worth it. Totally. And the other thing that can be triggering is if you've got your work besties that are
0: still there. Oh,
1: yes. And particularly if you've got a few of them and like your connection point has been work. work And And it's all you talk about when you meet up. When you go for brekkie, that's all you talk about, the three of you, is work. And then all of a sudden you're the one that doesn't work there anymore. And it's
0: painful to even think about that. So you need to set some boundaries because When you've gone through this breakup process, don't put yourself in those environments if they're causing you significant stress. So just give yourself space and time and know that that's normal.
1: And as far as boundaries go, that could look like a period of time where you don't have that brekkie with those people and you may need to explain that and I'm confident that you'll be able to do that in a way that they will understand or it might look like you do still go and enjoy each other's company but you let the girls know in advance and perhaps it's on the group message. It's just, you know, super low key. Is it okay if we don't talk about work today, please? And I think most people would would be understanding of that. Yeah, totally. We've got time for two more questions. We're going to wrap this
0: bad boy up. So, the second last one was, I feel really hurt about the way things have ended. I've been working at my organization for over 10 years. Is this normal? So, this scenario is is someone's been working long term at this employer. They've ended on a bad note, and they're feeling that sense of grief and hurt about the way things have wrapped up. Now, it doesn't even necessarily need to be. It doesn't even necessarily need to be bad. M. It it could be that you're finishing up, and they're just not doing the farewells, and they just kind of stop inviting you to meetings, and you kind of start to get slowly
1: cut off. Mm, and this word grief is so important. I'm so glad that you've. Uh, found a little spot to mention that it's interesting to consider because this whole time we've been talking, I'm thinking of oh, look not explosive but somewhat dramatic situations where you have got that bad breakup vibe really on display, or you're really feeling it. But you're so right. What if there are? What if there's a bad breakup where it's almost just a bit of a fizzle, like you actually feel like you feel hurt because you've you feel like you've dedicated 10 years of your life or more to this organisation and to the successes, and you've got these expectations and so often hurt can come from a mismatch of expectations. And so you've got these expectations around what your excerpt should look like and then others don't live up to that. Yeah, and, and
0: sometimes employers do this thing and I've seen this a lot where they, they get a resignation through and it's like they just like wipe their hands of, of you. And it's really cold and cutting, like it can be a really yucky experience, especially if you've been there for a long time. So, you're right, Em, it doesn't always need to be super dramatic. It could just be like, uh, oh, wow, that was a bit like of an anticlimax. like I've invested my heart and soul into this gig for so long and you guys didn't even... I had to organise my own farewell dreams, yeah, you know, like yeah. it could be simple and or your boss just starts to cancel all your one-on-ones because I don't care anymore. Like that's, that can be really hurtful and the, the other side is it can also be the grief that's there of like I remember a really beautiful exit that I had at a job I've been at for a really long time and it was such an amazing exit. Like they were so, oh, it, was, it just could not have been a be- more beautiful experience but I just felt such grief like I was like, oh, it's the end of an era and I'm really emotional and like teary and all these things. And so I think in the in the best case scenarios, you have that grief. So when it doesn't go as well as you'd hoped, that is a very like prevalent issue for people. So I think when you're in this scenario,
1: you need to focus on what you can control. Yeah, absolutely. There's a conversation that we will often have with people. So we will actually – Um, provide a service where we're supporting people who have lost their job uh, under redundancy conditions and we talk to them about the stages of grief and that they absolutely apply in this sort of job breakup situation and there are different stages of grief and they're not chronological they're not linear you can spend time in one stage of grief and then you can kind of go to stage three and then you can come back to stage two and then you might feel stage five and alongside that the other thing worth mentioning is in some of these situations your partner at home may also be feeling grief like you might be dealing with that stress or grief as well that's another episode. Oh my gosh! But you're <laughs> so right.
0: Like that is massive. We're gonna. We're, oh, there's so much in this, right? I know. And, and so we we feel that there's complexity and there's a lot we can cover. I'm really glad you called that out. So there's so much to process. Acknowledge how you're feeling and do something with your close friends. I know it's annoying if you have to organise your own farewell. Like that's not oh. ideal but still do something to celebrate because those closure moments are important, especially if you've invested a long time at this one employer. One last question. That's all we've got time for. I don't have a reference
1: from that employer. What should I do? I've got a couple of answers on this. I, uh, Depending on the nature of the breakup, as in we know it's a bad breakup, but the more like specific what has actually gone down and who's been involved – I would encourage you, because it is your most recent role, to try and find somebody else in the organisation who can be a referee. So, that would be plan A from my perspective. What I would say is that's particularly important if you have been there for years. If you've been there for three to six months, I'm I'm less concerned, but recruit a hat on. If you've been in a role for two, three, five, ten plus years, or in a business, I should say. And even if it's a bad breakup, if you're not able to secure some sort of referee to vouch for that time and experience, it it will be an extra hurdle. Now, that doesn't have to be your direct manager. So, this might be a situation for you where you haven't got along with your direct manager. That's just a no-go zone from a referee point of view try and think about who have you got a good relationship with that you have worked closely with who has been more senior than you. So perhaps it's been on a project or you've sort of got that dotted line or you just deal with them quite often due to the nature of your role. Another option could be, have you had a manager who's left recently? So they actually no longer work in the organisation, but they're still able to vouch for the majority of your time at that business. The next, uh, sort of plan B I would say and and again this is easier if you haven't been there for too long uh, but it would be to focus on who your other referees are so not put the pressure on yourself to find a referee for every employer and consider whether or not you can get away without having one there but to loop us all the way back to the beginning of the episode you will need to make sure that your narrative and I guess the way you're explaining this bad job breakup to a recruiter to a hiring manager or your next employer is pretty bang on. Awesome. You always have really good advice, just got to
0: say. So do you. Thanks. But I I cannot add anything to that because it's awesome. All right. Hey, that's all we've got time for today. Such a deep conversation. We could have really done a part two. Maybe we should later on. We want to say bad job breakups. Most people have one of these at least in their career. So keep that in mind as you're going through this scenario and we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen and follow along. Yeah, tell your friends. Yeah, and we're on LinkedIn. You can find us there. All right, bye. (laughs) Speak to you soon.
1: We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast.
0: Hey, thanks for listening. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money Medical, My Millennial Health, My Millennial Business and My Millennial Money. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more.